is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Going to start out talking about our Fed summary for the week. And we are on pause for now. The Fed kept rates unchanged at this week's meeting. But whether they're done with rate hikes or simply at a pause is yet to be determined. The Fed statement itself was mostly a copy-paste of September, with some minor wording changes noting that the economy is growing at a strong rather than solid pace, and employment gains have moderated rather than slowed. The only new information came with the addition of financial conditions to the previously noted credit conditions as factors weighing on household and business activity. At the press conference, Chairman Powell noted two primary factors that seem to be weighing on Fed decision-making. The first is the tightening in financial conditions as higher rates on everything from mortgages to corporate borrowing will have an impact on activity moving forward. The second and related factor is the Fed thinks that the full effects of policy actions to date have yet to be fully felt. In our view, the Fed is watching the wrong metrics. It should be paying more attention to the money supply, which is signaling that it's already tight. The M2 measure has declined in 11 of the last 14 months, has contracted 3.6% in the past year, and is down 4.4% off its peak in July of last year. Meanwhile, bank credit at commercial banks, as well as their commercial and industrial loans, are both flat to down. If this isn't tight, we're not sure what tight means. It remains to be seen how quickly the reductions in the money supply will translate into inflation, getting back to the Fed's 2% target. But the Fed has gained some traction against the inflation problem. Given time, the mission can be accomplished, but the Fed must remain patient. One of the biggest risks in the year ahead is the Fed jumping the gun on the cuts should economic conditions deteriorate. For now, each FOMC meeting remains active, meaning the Fed is ready to raise rates further if the data suggests more work to be done. But without a clear path forward, the looming geopolitical tensions, resumption of student loan payments, slowing economic and employment growth, and high oil prices should make the Fed's path bumpy. History may show that the Fed finished rate hikes in July, but it'll still be a while before they can call their mission complete. Let's take a look at our global wrap-up for the week, and we saw the yields drop. Stocks rise as conditions conclude that the Fed is finished. Global equities were higher on the week as financial conditions loosens and expectations that the U.S. Fed Reserve has reached the end of its hiking cycle. From week-ago levels, the yield in the U.S. 10-year Treasury note declined 36 basis points. That would be 0.36% to 4.51%. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil fell to 83.50 from 84.75 a week ago. And volatility, as measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, slid to 15.3 from 20.3 last week. The U.S. dollar index fell about 1.2%. 
Some of our global macro news, we're seeing that U.S. hiring pace slowed in October. News that the United States created fewer jobs than expected in October. And the prior two months after revisions and that the unemployment rate ticked down to 3.9% was welcomed by the financial markets as it helped cement the notion the Fed has finished its tightening cycle. Non-farm payrolls rose 150,000 in October, down below the 180,000 consensus forecast, and about half September's downwardly revised 297,000 gain. Wage growth slowed, the data show, with average hourly earnings advancing a modest two-tenths of one percent month over month. Odds of a further hike from the Fed eased after the data, while markets increased bets that the central bank will begin cutting rates in mid-2024. A portion of the 35,000 jobs decline in manufacturing employment is seen as temporary consequence of the since-settled United Auto Workers strike. And the Fed says the tightened financial conditions are, to, are going to restrain inflation. As I mentioned, uh, started out after holding rates steady on Wednesday, the Fed acknowledged that tighter financial conditions are likely to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. While much of Chair Jerome Powell's press conference suggested that the Fed retained a tightening bias, the market's interpretation is that the rate-hiking cycle has likely peaked. Investors were further cheered by Powell's comment that the supply side of the labor market has improved amid a rise in both participation and immigration, which should help temper wage gains. The decline in long-term bond yields accelerated after the Fed announcement. We're seeing that China is working to resolve its local debt risks. China's Central Financial Work Conference said it would set up a mechanism to resolve local debt risks by potentially transferring local government debt to the central government. The push follows a move made last week to increase the government's borrowing capacity to 0.8% of GDP. Further measures can be considered to mitigate other financial risks, including those from real estate developers and small and medium-sized banks. And we're seeing that Israel, of course, has began its counteroffensive. The fighting intensified this week as Israel moved ground forces to the Gaza Strip in an effort to rout Hamas. On Wednesday, foreigners began to evacuate from Gaza into Egypt with 74 Americans with dual citizenship among those allowed to leave. The U.S. and Israel are reported considering the possibility of a multinational peacekeeping force taking full control of Gaza once the war comes to an end. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken this week rejected a call for Gaza ceasefire, saying such an action would reserve Hamas's gains. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has ruled out a ceasefire. According to the Israeli government spokesman, Israel has hit over 12,000 Hamas sites and that over 9,000 rockets have been fired at Israel since October 7th. The Pentagon also announced that it is deploying an additional 300 troops to the region. On Thursday, the Israeli military said that the Gaza city had been encircled by its forces. And looking at our quick hits for the week, we saw a big rise in non-farm productivity, saw U.S. labor unit costs decline eight-tenths of one percent in the third quarter, further fueling bond market gains. Productivity rose 4.7 percent from 3.6 percent in the second quarter. And the U.S. Treasury's second quarter refunding announcement also boosted bonds as will issue fewer long-term securities than expected. 
For 2024, the Internal Revenue Service has increased its maximum employee contribution to 401ks to $23,000, up from $22,500. Catch-up provision is for those that are over 50 has remained at $7,000. The limit on individual retirement accounts was raised from $500 to $7,000 total. I'll give you more details on this later in the show. And the U.S. manufacturing sector lost ground in October as the Institute of Supply Management's manufacturing index fell to 46.7 from 49. The new orders index declined to 45.5 from 49.2. Europe's manufacturing PMI was little changed at 43.1, while the United Kingdom slipped to 44.8 from 45.2. And we saw the U.S. services sector also cooled in October with the ISM non-manufacturing index falling to 51.8 from 53.6. The Japanese Prime Minister unveiled a supplementary government spending package to help tackle the fallout from high inflation. Included in the $113 billion package are tax cuts, cash payments to low-income households. The eurozone inflation fell faster than expected in October, easing to 2.9% year-over-year, down from 4.3% the month before, and lower than the 3.1% consensus forecast. Lower energy prices compared with a year ago when natural gas was in short supply were responsible for the decline. Core inflation rose to 4.2% from a year ago. And economic growth in the eurozone remained stagnant for the fourth quarter in a row, rising a tenth of 1% in the third quarter. United Auto Workers reached tentative agreements with General Motors and Stellantis this week after reaching a deal with Ford. Terms include 25% raises over four years and a cost-of-living adjustments. The Bank of Japan this week loosened its yield curve control policy. The former yield cap, 1%, is now a reference rate for the 10-year Japanese government bond. And the Bank of Japan revised its inflation forecast for fiscal 24 to 2.8% from one9 setting the stage for ending its negative interest rate policy in early next year. This week, in what markets interpreted as a hawkish pause, the Bank of England voted 6-3 to to hold rates steady. Three members of the Monetary Policy Committee voted for rate hikes. However, the MPC downgraded its growth outlook. 2024 growth is now seen as flat. After a 20-month battle, Ukraine's top general says the war with Russia is a stalemate and that a breakthrough is unlikely. However, the Kremlin contends that the war is not deadlocked and Russia will continue to press forward. And unemployment in the Eurozone ticked up a tenth of 1% from August's record low of 6.5% in September. And looking at the earnings news summary for the quarter to date, with just over 80% of the constituents of the S&P 500 having reported for the third quarter, blended earnings per share, which combines the reported data with estimates from those that have yet to report, shows that earnings rose 3.7% compared with the same quarter a year ago. According to data from FactSet, sales growth is up 2.1% year over year. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We will be back shortly. Thinking about solar? Call Western Solar, the local experts with over 2,000 residential and commercial installations. The team at Western Solar always strives to go above and beyond to make sure their customers are as satisfied as this recent reviewer. Western Solar is an excellent example of a high-quality local business. They do a really good job of working with homeowners to get a system that meets the owner's needs. Never felt like I was being sold to or that they were trying to oversell anything. They provide top-of-the-line products and don't overestimate the system's ability to win the bid. They aren't the cheapest solar installer in the area, but you get what you pay for. For a 20-plus year investment, 
Do yourself a huge favor and pay a bit more so you have top quality products and support. Western Solar is also the highest category of installer within Panasonic's Triple Guard Warranty Program with the longest and most comprehensive warranty in the industry. Call Western Solar in Bellingham to schedule your free estimate today at westernsolarinc.com. How safe do you feel? Fentanyl has crept into our schools and our community. Children, friends, and neighbors, this affects us all, and I'm frustrated with the lack of urgency regarding this crisis. I'm Hannah Ortis, and as your next Whatcom County Council member, I am committed to having hard conversations so that we can find real solutions. Our most vulnerable are depending on us to put people over politics. This is my home, and I will represent each and every one of us. I'm Hannah Ortis, and I ask for your vote this November. Paid for by Hannah for Whatcom. Tuning into the high school football game. Monitoring the incoming storm. They say what I think, but smarter. Catching your favorite talk show. These are just few of the reasons more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio. And AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you and your family safe in dangerous times. Visit wearebroadcasters.com to learn more and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. We are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center out here with Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. Okay, I'm going to give a whole series of October's economic reports. We'll start out with the employment report, which we touched on briefly here a minute ago. But basically, it's exactly what the Federal Reserve and many investors wanted to see. Slower payroll growth, slower wage growth, and higher unemployment rate. Unfortunately, it's also what we would see if the economy were gradually moving towards a recession sometime next year, which is still our base case. Non-farm payrolls rose 150,000 in October. That's a bit slower than the consensus, which it expected 180,000. Yes, payrolls were artificially held down by the UAW strike at automakers. 48,000 workers were on strike last month, most for any month since 2004. However, payroll growth in previous months was revised down by 101,000, 80,000 of that coming from the private sector. Moreover, civilian employment, which is an alternative measure of the jobs that includes small business startups, dropped 348,000 in October. Perhaps the weakest data of all is the total hours worked in the private sector fell three-tenths of one percent in October, the equivalent of losing about 350,000 jobs. Meanwhile, average hourly earnings rose a tap at two-tenths of one percent for the month, although this figure may have been distorted by the absence of relatively higher paid auto workers. As an inflation has declined, so have increases in pay. For October, average hourly earnings we're up 4.1% from a year ago versus a year-over-year gain of 4.9% last year in October of 22. Lurking in the background of the recent trends in the labor market is that the M2 measure of money supply is down versus a year ago, the yield curve is inverted and likely to remain so, and the short-term interest rates are relatively attractive. 
This is a recipe for risk aversion among businesses in the year ahead, and a reduction in business investment will likely lead the rest of the economy into a recession. The labor market is often a lagging indicator, and we expect the economy or real output to noticeably weaken before the employers stop hiring on net. Expect continued job growth for the next few months, but a weakening and recessionary labor market is heading our way. And looking at the third quarter productivity report that came out this week, we saw that non-farm productivity rose at a 4.7% annualized rate in the third quarter as both output and hours rose, but output rose at a faster pace, leading to more output per hour. If you exclude the closing and reopening quarters of the COVID pandemic, that's the largest quarterly law increases since 2009 in the midst of the Great Recession. So in spite of large gain in the third quarter, Productivity output per hour is up a more modest 2.2% in the last year and up a similar 1.4% annual rate versus the prior business cycle peak at the end of 2019, which was pre-COVID. Even though inflation is still high, real inflation-adjusted compensation per hour grew, although barely, at three-tenths of 1% annualized rate in the third quarter, following strong quarterly increases in the first and second quarters of this year. Still, inflation remains a key headwind for workers' purchasing power as real compensation is only up about six-tenths of 1% from a year ago. On the manufacturing front, productivity fell at a seven-tenths percent annualized rate as output decreased while hours rose. Most of the manufacturing data that we've received over the past year have shown that manufacturing continues to decelerate, except in a few parts where government subsidies have temporarily boosted activity. You can expect hours and output in this sector to continue to weaken in the quarters ahead. As for the economy, we continue to believe that a recession is on the way. Investors should remain cautious while we navigate these unprecedented times. Also earlier this week, cars and light trucks were sold at a 15.5 million annual rate in October, down 1.2% from September, but up 5.6% from a year ago. We also got the October ISM, that's the Institute of Supply Management's Manufacturing Index report out this week, and activity in the U.S. factory sector contracted in October and has done so every month of the last year. We continue to believe a recession is lurking ahead, and details of the report suggest that the goods sector of the economy is likely to lead the way. On the surface level, just two of 18 major industries reported growth in October. Survey comments cited weakening demand, slowing activity, and dwindling optimism for 2024. Weakening demand was mostly easily seen in the New Orders Index, which remained in contraction for a 14th consecutive month. Meanwhile, the Production Index remained in expansion territory, although slightly, for the second month in a row. With the combination of less demand from consumers and build-up inventories as retailers, we don't expect a significant rebound in manufacturing output. However, fewer orders and faster production have allowed factories to catch up on the order backlogs. That measure fell to 42.2 in October, remains near the lowest reading since the 2008 financial crisis. Meanwhile, the employment index continues to come in choppy, dropping to 46.8 from 51.2 the previous month. And finally, on the inflation front, the prices index rose 
45.1 in October has been sitting in contraction territory for the last six months, showing that tighter money since 2022 is gaining some traction against inflation. Also, in other news this morning, construction spending increased four-tenths of one percent in October. The gain was driven by large increases in home building and educational facilities, which more than offset declines in manufacturing projects. On the labor front, the ADP's measure of private payrolls increased 113,000 in October versus a consensus expected 150,000. And finally, in recent housing news, the National Case-Shiller Index rose nine-tenths of one percent in August, while the FHFA Index rose six-tenths of one percent, and both show home prices at a new all-time high. Notably, these indices are sit at 4.4% and 7.5% respectively, above their March of 22 levels when the Federal Reserve began their current tightening cycle after a brief drop in the second half of last year, indicating that this is not a repeat of 2008. And we have the October non-ISM, ISM's non-manufacturing report out this week as well. And the service sector continued to expand in October, but the pace of growth is slowing. The headline index declined 51.8 in October, missing the consensus expected 53, with 12 out of 18 major industries reporting growth. And when you contrast this with the October ISM report in the manufacturing sector, where activity was contracted every month of the last year and only two industries reported growth in October, there has clearly been a divergence in activity, which output has been shifting back towards services following the pre-COVID area when goods-related activity was artificially boosted. So looking at the details of the report, the two most forward-looking categories, new orders and business activity, were a mixed bag in October as the new orders index bounced back to 55.5 after a notable drop in the month prior, while the business activity index slipped to 54.1 from 58.8. Still, both sit in healthy expansion territory have remained above 50 each month of the year so far. Survey comments reflected a murkier outlook than before, citing labor pressures, a potential government shutdown, and conflict in the Middle East as threats to future activity. Labor pressures can be seen in the employment index, which dropped to 50.2 in October, now has now expanded the last five months. Comments on employment continue to signal that a lack of supply, not demand, has been the problem for hiring in the service sector. And finally, the highest reading out of any of the categories continues to come from the prices index, which ticked down to a still elevated 58.6 in October. Survey comments confirm that inflation remains a problem for businesses in the service sector. Although the Federal Reserve has gained some traction in its fight against inflation, we do expect the service sector to keep inflation trending above the 2% target for some time. As for the economy, even though services are still expanding, we continue to believe that that recession is on the way. You can expect the service sector to weaken in the year ahead as the impact of recent reductions in the M2 measure of the money supply make their way through the economy. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back after this short break. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The mysterious, the obscure. 
In some cases, it is the animal reactions that led to the sighting. Coast to coast. In France, Marius de Wilde said that his barking dog caused him to go outside to see what had startled it. He saw something on a nearby railroad tracks and then two small creatures. A beam of light shot out from that object momentarily paralyzing him. Every night at 10 p.m. and beyond on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Cozy up this fall and winter with new motion furniture from Wilson's Furniture. If you haven't checked out what used to be called reclining furniture in a while, you're in for some surprises. Wilson's has a huge selection of single recliners in an amazing array of styles and fabrics and leather, as well as love seats, couches, and sectionals. Have an entertainment room? Check out the selection of theater-style seating at Wilson's. Check out the models that feature power recline, allowing you to pick the precise position to relax and or watch the big game in. And several models. Models are battery powered. No need to be tethered to an outlet. Stop into Wilson's Furniture today with their huge selection that you'll find in stock and ready for delivery. Your biggest challenge will be deciding what to choose, and the motion furniture experts at Wilson's will be there to help you find the style that's perfect for your home and budget. Wilson's open seven days a week and online 24 7 at WilsonHomeFurnishings.com. You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. We're heading across the pond for this week's PNW Perk. Archer's Ale House is back with another PNW Perks deal Thursday at 8 a.m. Whether you're looking for a place to catch the game this season, enjoy some truly incredible food, or looking to have a great time in general, Archer's Ale House is the hottest place around. Stop in for dinner and a pint, stay for trivia and karaoke. Serving a rich, hearty menu, rotating beers, an extensive bottle list, seasonal cocktails, and a new late-night menu. It's European pub vibes right here in the Pacific Northwest. This Thanksgiving, Archer's will be open 10 a.m. till 10 p.m., starting with a proper Irish breakfast, then serving up a traditional all-you-can-eat feast starting at 2. So you can leave the cooking and cleaning to someone else and enjoy the day with your friends or come make some new ones. Stop by the Archer Ale House on 10th and Harris in Fairhaven. The Archer Ale House, changing the game. Thursday at 8 a.m., spend $25 and get 50 bucks to spend at Fairhaven's favorite pub, the Archer Ale House. Visit pnwperks.com for details. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. You got a great program. You want to make it better? I do. Okay, here we go. For one hour of John and Rich. <laughs> and you are the referee. Join us each weekday at 4 p.m. for KGMI Connects. Those two guys are like Abbott and Costello. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com.
There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to World Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, I guess. Anyway, uh, the IRS has come out with its new limits for contributions for 401ks, etc. And we're seeing that the increase next year for your 401ks, after last year's big increase, this year is going to be $500. They've boosted the amount that individuals can contribute to their 401ks by $500 to $23,000 total. The increase is less than the $2,000 hike that we saw this year. The increase was the biggest dollar increase since 2007. It came in with growing concerns about high inflation. We're talking again about the increase for 23. The new contribution limit, which reflects the cost of living, also applies to employees for participating 403B plans, normally at schools and nonprofits, and most 457 plans and federal government's thrift savings plan. The limit on IRA catch-up contributions, which for employees aged 50 or over who participate in these plans, also has been increased from $6,500 to $7,000, according to the IRS. The changes mean that retirement savers who are 50 or older can save $30,500 next year in their 401k, their 403b, and most 457 plans, as well as the federal government's thrift savings plan. And the catch-up contribution for a limit for employees 50 or or who are participating in simple or savings incentive match plan for employees remains at $3,500 for 2024. The IRS has also increased income limits for Roth IRA contributions for 2024. The income phase-out for singles and head of households making contributions to Roth has increased between $146,000 and $161,000. That's up from $138,000 and 153000 this year for married couples filing jointly. The income phase-out range has increased to between 230000 and 240000 That's up from 218000 and 228000 The phase-out range for married individuals filing separately remains at 0 to 10000 Again, what that phase-out rate is, is you get higher incomes. You get up there where you can still put money on a Roth. So what it's saying is you could fully fund a Roth if you're married and your joint income is less than 230000 but it phases out, you lose about 10% of the amount that you can put into the IRA for every $1,000 over that. So between two hundred thirty and 240000 you have that phase out. 
Also increasing is the income limit for what we call the savers credit, known as the retirement savings contributions credit for low and moderate income workers. For married couples filing jointly, the limit goes to $76,500 from $73,000. Heads of households jump to $57,375 from $54,750. And singles and married individuals filing separately goes to $38,250 from $36,500. So let's take a look at some of these individual limits across the board. A defined contribution plan annual contributions limit. Now, this is the maximum amount that could go into a plan from all sources, including employer matches. That number goes to 69000 in 2024. It was 66000 this year. Then you have that maximum elective deferral amount for 401ks and, and 403Bs and 457s. As I mentioned, that goes to 23000 It was 22500 this year. You also have the same limit for governmental section 457 plans. Highly compensated employee pay thresholds. We start running into reductions on how much money can go in if you earn over 155000 And key employee compensation top-heavy tests start at 220000 We're also seeing that your simples maximum contribution this next year can be $16,000. This year it was fifteen five. So a lot of employers, especially poor employers that don't have a 401k plan, will set up what we call a simple. And the simple allows the employees to put away money. Typically, in most cases, the employer does a 3% match. But that amount next year is 16.5. This year it was 15.5. We're also seeing the amount of money that you're going to pay Social Security taxes on. It goes up to $168,600. That means you pay Social Security tax on the first $168,600. This year was the first $160,200. Then your catch-up contributions. Those are for, for employers under over the age of 50 or older. Applies to 401k plans, 457 plans, and 403b plans. That remains at $7,500. So that means if you're over the age of 50, you can put away $30,500 this next year. Then there's your catch-up contribution for those simple plans we talked about where you can put away up to $16,000. If you're over 50, you can add an additional $3,500 into a simple. So that means $19,500 can go into your simple plans. And then the defined benefit annual plan limit allows up to $275,000 if you are in a defined benefit pension plan. You can put away up to $275,000. Let's talk about what the impact on savers is. The higher limits are going to allow savers to set aside more money on a tax advantage basis for retirement. For example, that increase in the 401k limit is going to allow you to put away an extra $500 annually. The higher IRA limit will also enable an additional $500 in contributions. And for those workers over the age of 50, the combined $1,000 increase in the 401k and IRA limits is going to allow $1,500 more to be saved if you max out both accounts. The income limit changes will be will, will make more taxpayers eligible for the IRA deductions and also the savers credit. So if you're looking at 24, planning ahead, the contributions limits raising for 294, savers may want to review their retirement plan contributions for next year. Those able to save more may want to increase their 401k salary deferrals or IRA contributions. 
You know, consulting with a tax professional can help you determine if you qualify for greater IRA deductions in the Savers tax credit due to the higher income thresholds. Savers should review their retirement savings strategy annually, make changes to contributions as limits rise. Taking advantage of higher limits can lead to a far greater retirement preparedness. And we know that on the average, employees are not putting away enough money. So any way that you can help yourself by putting away extra money, you should be doing so. Okay, let's go out here and talk about the top three big purchases that most people make and how they add up. Are you a big spender? Do you wonder where all your money goes? Our financial lives are marked by the milestone purchases that make up such as everyday spending on things like gas and groceries. Those milestone purchases and expenses, homes, cars, college, weddings, and vacations add up over time. In fact, they add up a lot, as it turns out, in the average American's lifetime. To find out exactly how much Americans spend on big purchases in our lifetime, one main financial, which is a personal loan lender based in Evansville, Indiana, used a variety of sources to calculate out how much each of these priority category costs over the years and what percentages of our income that they add up to. The criteria utilized include average costs nationwide, lifespan, and income. So what, with that in mind, where, where, where does your money go? Well, first of all, housing. 44% of our lifetime income capital goes, goes towards housing. The average cost of a single-family house is 428700 In a lifetime, we spend an average of $1.5 on houses and mortgages. And then the second biggest item are cars. On the average, 14% of lifelong spending funnels into vehicle purchases and maintenance. Over a lifetime, Americans spend around $470,000 on automobiles. Assuming one starts at age 17, buys an average of 10 cars before they die. Then the uh, next big expense is health insurance. Insuring coverage for the worst amounts for about 9% of our lifetime spend. On an average, $296,016 of the course of our lifetime will be spent for health insurance. So getting older provides us with increased savings opportunities for our retirement, the ability to then draw from our savings, increased tax deductions, lower medical costs, and the ability to start our monthly cash flow from Social Security. In addition, many are wiser if their money decisions at this stage of life are ready to take full advantage of them. As mentioned earlier, your back will still hurt, but that may be part thanks to the increase in the size of your wallet. This is Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We will be back shortly. Psst. Psst. Hey. Psst. Hey, you. No. No, it's not your phone. It's me, the radio. Turn me up. You need to hear this. Looking for new furniture or a new mattress? Box Drop is the spot. Box Drop always offers 30 to 80% off retail prices on brand new furniture and mattresses with easy financing available. Stop by in Sequoia Drive off Cordata Parkway or find Box Drop Bellingham on social media. Comfort and style await at Box Drop Bellingham. Delivery available. Hi, this is Marcia Neal with Guided Solutions formerly Vibrant USA. If you are on Medicare or if you and your family are on individual health insurance, the time to call us is now. You have a short window of time each year to review your health insurance coverage. To be sure you have the most cost-effective coverage for 2024, give Guided Solutions a call at 866-733-5111 
and our helpful agents will be happy to assist you. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. KGMI has been the voice of our community for over 90 years, presenting the news and information that matters here while also offering you the chance to have your voice heard. And that commitment continues. Start your day with the KGMI Morning News with Deanna Harrelock from 6 to 9. And don't miss your chance to voice your opinion on the news of the day with Joe Tian on KGMI Connects each weekday at 4. KGMI is your news talk station. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. As always, if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Well, we're seeing that mortgage rates at 8% or close to that are making a brutal U.S. housing market even worse. We're seeing that surging U.S. mortgage rates are delivering a stark warning to would-be buyers. A brutal market is getting even more challenging. Over the last two months, rates for 30-year mortgages have hurtled towards 8% for most measures. Affordability pressures are cutting into sales, with purchases previously owned homes in September dropping to the lowest level since 2010, according to the National Association of Realtors. It's been a tough slog for house hunters since the start of the pandemic. After lockdowns started to lift, fierce competition fueled bidding wars and massive price increases. Then came raising rates that sidelined potential buyers, with owners also became more reluctant to sell. Inventory plunged, keeping prices elevated. These days, the few buyers that are still hunting are fighting over scraps, and the move higher in rates is making it worse. Applications for purchase loans have fallen to the lowest level since 1995. Contracts to buy homes were canceled in September at the highest rate in almost a year, according to Redfin. Even builders who have benefited from the tight supply of resale homes are becoming more concerned about the outlook. It's not just the sticker shock or psychological effect of the round number like 8%, but the rise in mortgage rates from the lows at the ends of 2021 have robbed would-be homebuyers of nearly 40% of their purchasing power. That's monumental and just has never been seen anything like this before. There's still a lot of pent-up demand for housing. Some people with money for down payments are trying to make it work. A measure of contracts to buy pre-owned homes unexpectedly increased in September from a month earlier, although it's hovering near its lowest level on record. Sales of newly built properties rose in September. The builders are expressing more caution. Nearly one-third of companies say that demand is slower than expected and causing concern. According to an October survey by real estate consulting firm Zonda, that's up from 14% in August to 16% in September. Typically, sales start to slow during this time of year. The market's seasonal patterns are being compounded by the financial and mental threshold of interest rates rising. 
The market's been so tight over the last year that buyers who are able to cope with higher rates or those paying cash are seeing the pullback as an opportunity. From 65 to 8%. That's, there have been, that's where we've been slowed down, but those with serious lookers are still looking. Anything that's absolutely move-in ready, it goes off the market real quick. Buyers who can afford to keep searching for homes are starting to see a bright spot when it comes to inventory. New listings rose 1.4% in September from a month earlier. That's the largest monthly increase that Redfin has reported since February of 22. In many cases, homeowners just need to move or make a move because things have changed in their lives and they have to move on. So that is one of the reasons that we're seeing some movement or increase in inventory is because people got to move. They can't sit there and keep waiting. And we're finding that the automakers are finally waking up to reality on electric vehicles. After promising the Biden administration that they would eliminate most of the cars that Americans want to buy from dealer lots by 2035, GM and Ford are now waking up to reality. They're cutting back on projections of EV sales and lowering their production targets for the cars and batteries. Ford's chief financial officer on a media call said, given the dynamic EV environment, we're being judicious about our production and adjusting future capacity to better match market demand. He announced that Ford is postponing a $12 billion of spending and investment on EVs, including at a Kentucky battery plant, after it halted its $3.5 billion Michigan-China battery partnership in September. This follows an announcement by General Motors on October 17th that it was pausing expansion of electric pickups due to evolving EV demand. About 6% of new vehicle sales were electric in 2022. President Biden wants to bring this share up to 60% in seven years by 2030 and 66% in 2032, nine years from now, through regulations from the Department of Transportation and the Environmental Protection Agency. These regulations will penalize automakers for selling gasoline-powered cars. California is going even further, requiring all new vehicle sales to be electric after 2035. But there are four reasons that most Americans prefer to buy cars with internal combustion engines, cost, convenience, climate, and China. Let's talk about cost first. New electric vehicles cost more than gasoline-powered cars. The electric version of the base version of the F Ford F-150 pickup, which is the best-selling vehicle in America, costs an additional $26,000. And Tesla's best price started about $40,000 for Model 3 and go up to almost $100,000 for Model X. Few Americans can afford these vehicles. Many people who love their EVs recharge them at home overnight, but not everyone has a garage at home. Some live in apartments and homes without garages. Many of these people rely on charging stations for the EVs if they can't run extension cords from the residence to the parking lot. A lack of charging stations is a major problem in rural areas. Plus, gasoline-powered cars can be refueled in 5 to 10 minutes at a gas station. Recharging an electric vehicle can take 45 minutes or longer if you want a full charge. If someone is in front of you at the charging station, the weight can double. Most people don't want to let their EV batteries go below about 20%, and charging rates go down when it's charged over 
We're seeing also climate is impacting as batteries lose range in cold weather. Many of us awaken to a cold winter morning to find our car batteries dead and in need of jump start or replacement. The American Automobile Association is a fleet of small vehicles whose sole purpose is to rescue troubled motorists in chilly situations. The study by truck manufacturer Autocar shows that the electric vehicles lose on an average a third of their range in the winter, which reduces the typical 240-mile range to 160 miles. If a heat pump is added to the car, the loss is less, but still the 240-mile range would shrink to 180. In cold climates, batteries lose 20 to 40 percent of their range. That's one reason only 380 North Dakota residents choose EVs in 2021. Alaska had just 1,300. Temperatures got down to 13 degrees in Georgia last Christmas. It gets a lot hot in the summer. But batteries lose range in weather above 85 degrees, too, according to a study by Electric Carter Battery Company Recurrent. Additionally, car air conditioning uses electricity, so the range is lower when the air conditioning is running, something that people prefer in hot weather for some reason. Then there's China. The force push of TVs is making America weaker and China stronger because almost 80% of batteries are made in China. America is energy independent due to its vast resources of oil and natural gas that has been discovered and produced through innovative technology. However, should Biden's EV goal come to pass, America would become less energy independent and more dependent on China for electric batteries and associated components. One major reason is because China is buying up many of the world's mines where rare earth minerals used in batteries are found. As the world is seen from Russia's cutoff of natural gas supplies in Europe, it's not prudent to rely on an unfriendly country for a vital resource such as energy because restrictions can raise energy prices and carry disastrous economic and social consequences. Moreover, the Biden administration's push for EVs is supposedly to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But in order to produce supplies of batteries for EVs and other components, China is increasing its construction of coal-fired plants. America has 225 coal-fired power plants, while the Biden administration is trying to put out a business, and China has 1,118, half of all the coal-fired plants in the world. And research has shown that even completely eliminating fossil fuels from the United States will result in less than two-tenths of one percent Celsius in temperature migration by 2100. Biden says EVs will reduce greenhouse gas emissions and regulations on tailpipe and power plant emissions, reducing global warming. But this is fantasy. Emissions will not be reduced until the biggest producers of so-called greenhouse gases, China, India, and Russia reduce their emissions, which they are show no signs of doing. GM and Ford are finally realizing that Americans are smarter than their government and not buying the EV fantasy. If Georgia's any guide, the automaker's pause on EV investment right might end up as a permanent stop. It's been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI this Sunday morning. I want to thank you for listening as always. Again, if you have questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Don't forget our live show next Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning. Thanks. I hope you have a great week. And if, again, if you got questions, give me a call, 360-733-1200.
The opinions voiced on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.